Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Naked Security Podcast, episode number 25. I'm Paul Ducklin because Anna is away this week. Mark's away as well. So I'm joined by usual guest, Matthew Boddy. Hello, Matthew. Hello. And our special guest this week is one Mr. Benedict Jones. Hello there. The good news for those of you who are worried that Matt and I are going to beatbox slash sing again it is, of course, there can't be any Anna's comments of the week when there isn't an Anna. So we're going to skip straight to asking the chaps, Matthew, what have you been up to this week? I have got addicted to another game, but this time it's not a board game. This time it's a PlayStation game. So you went, you gave up computer games, you went for Settlers of Catan, yep. and then from there you went to chess, yep. got hammered a couple of times by Anna, I yeah. suspect, yeah. and then gave that up, and now you're back on I've lost, computer games. lost a lot of board games, so now I'm focusing all my efforts on beating NPCs on a PS4 game. Ark. Dinosaur Frenzy. Di- yeah, so I, I get to kill and tame dinosaurs, and then get the, the dinosaurs that I've tamed to join me in killing and taming dinosaurs. You know, this is just, it's a good job that you're yeah. an adult because this, this would set a terrible example for kids. It would, And yeah. if allowed kids to play a game like this, you know what they'd want next? They'd want to play a game where you went out and stole cars. That's ridiculous. That be terrible. Yeah, that would be awful. Benedict, what did you get up to this week? So, uh, this week I actually had a, a corruption of a file system running on my smart mirror. So it's something that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, mirrors are very a smart. smart mirror. It's like a normal mirror, but a bit more intelligent. Yeah. Can you ask it, mirror, mirror, on the wall? Then it's pre-populated with voice recognition, just show a photo of myself. Is so, it ASCII art? <laughs> so fundamentally what it is, is um, it's powered by a Raspberry Pi with a LCD or TFT screen, in fact, mounted on the back of a photo frame, and it's got a piece of one-way glass in there. So the screen is behind the glass, so when you look at it, it's obviously reflecting back at you, but as well, the light is able to pass through, and I've got it showing the weather, showing the time, and in fact a countdown as well. Well, you had one. Well, yeah, I okay, suspect. valid point. If you're saying you had file system corruption. So yeah. how's your backup situation, um, young Ben? Terrible. <laughs> so the backup <laughs> situation was um, primarily in my mind, in that I had to remember what I wrote, <laughs> because the data was pretty much entirely unsalvageable. So I had to rewrite it all, um, basically from scratch. So would you recommend to our listeners make a backup, folks? Do it today. I would, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Okay, uh, let's get on to the stories this week. Uh, Matthew is going to be talking about business email compromise. Ben is going to be talking to us about the Internet of Things, and in particular, uh, a problem that he had with his own home router and how you can avoid that in your own network. So Matthew, business email compromise. Yes. Let's, what I want to look at, what it is why it's a problem, how the crooks go about it, and most importantly, what on earth can people do to stop it happening to them? Because there's a lot of money at stake here, isn't there? Absolutely. Well, yeah, let's start with that, what it is and how much money is at stake. So between October 2013 and May 2018, the FBI have reported that $12 billion has been lost internationally to business email compromise. And that's from a total of 78,617 incidents. Yeah, so that's about a, what a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a go. Yeah, so it's it's not like it's not like it's a small amount of money per company potentially. Okay, so the crooks are able to make a whole load of money, but this isn't traditional phishing, is it? It gets a special name, business email compromise, 
because the crooks get into your network, but particularly they don't need to hack your servers. They're just keeping their eye on your email from the inside. So they know who you're talking to, they know what deals you're doing, and they know where the money's going. That's right. Their aim is to compromise your email, take over your email in one way or another with on-premise exchanges within organizations uh, where their exchange will be taken over by some sort of malware and that, that will allow the attacker of that organization to uh, start creating secret folders, taking over email addresses and sending emails out on, on behalf of that company, creating separate email addresses, sending out payment requests to existing customers. Presumably they could also implant malware on somebody's computer and if they get lucky and it's the CFO or the CEO or it's someone who's works in accounts payable or accounts receivable, yeah. then they're right in at the, the heart of where the money flows. That's it, exactly. But now we're starting to see this with, with a lot of people moving to the cloud for their email. We're starting to see this happening in a bit of a different way without that malware being implanted on a machine. Interestingly, only a week ago, I was speaking to someone that had experienced the beginnings of business email compromise firsthand, but luckily had managed to stop it or, or catch it before it before it spread um, to the point of their emails actually being compromised. Uh, so they didn't head off a, pay, a wrong payment. They stopped the crooks getting the password that would have let them do the internal research. That's it, exactly. So it's a much better time to stop it, isn't that, it? That's the well. The ideal to, time to stop it is as you're receiving those emails yeah. with some sort of anti-spam filter. What they were, what they did is they sent in an email to everybody within the organization, but the email address that they were coming from looked very similar to the company's actual address. So they'd registered a domain. Let's say the company is called mycompany.com. They'd registered my company with an I or something within there or for something very similar. They had legitimate valid SPF records set up. They had legitimate valid DKIM cert set up for that domain. So for all intensive purposes, that email was coming in from outside of the organization from a valid email address that looked very convincing. So they can afford to take the time to put a lot of effort into the original fish yep. because they know that if they get just one right password of someone in the accounts department, yep. then the fish will pay for itself. Instead of trying to milk out the money in days or even weeks, they can stay in there for ages. Yeah, And we do see occasions where this actually goes on for some time, right? Yeah, exactly. This can go on for a period of months. This could affect your customers, couldn't it? Because the crook could email from you mm. to a customer saying, oh, by the way, we're changing banks. And then the customer will be paying the wrong person. You won't be receiving the money. And the first time you'll realize something has gone wrong is when your debt collector <laughs> phones the customer in high dudgeon saying, hey, you haven't paid for three months. And they go, what do you mean? Of course we have. Yeah, yeah. The, one of the big organizations that this affects, and the FBI call it out as well within their report, saying that actually estate agents have been heavily hit by business email compromise. Now, if that organization's email can be breached, you can wait for the account details to be sent whilst reading those emails between the uh, proper, the, the solicitor and the person attempting to purchase a house. And you can then inject your own account details in there to be able to receive that money on a separate address. So, so talk, going back to this case that, that was sent to me about a week or so ago, the way in which the business email compromise or what, what I believe is business email compromise started was in the form of a phishing email. 
So it was a simple phishing email saying, I'm sending you a secure message. So it was a PDF attached to that, e- to that email. Within the PDF, there was just a link to a website. So the PDF in itself didn't contain any malware. It was malicious, don't get me wrong, but it didn't contain anything that would typically classify as malware. However, the link that it, it had within that PDF took you off, took the person that clicked on it off to a website that emulated a cloud-based email solution. Presumably, they picked the one that the company used, and they know what that is, because if ever you've received a mail from the company and you look in the headers, it's pretty obvious which mail solution they're using. Precisely. It's a good old-school fish. It's a good old-school fish. You open a document, the document looks legit, it refers to someone who works in the company or is associated with the company, you think, oh, well, I better look at it. You log in. The login doesn't work. If you don't realize that it didn't work because you put your password in a fake site, the crooks have now got your password. Yeah, yeah. So in, in this case, it wasn't actually even near the right domain name because it was obviously a compromised website that was already existing. Oh, so they'd hacked somebody else or yeah. bought, a, bought access to a compromised site. Yeah. Okay, so the, the deal is that this isn't about hacking your servers Actually, these crooks don't need to be technically very sophisticated. They just need to have the gift of the gab, don't they? They're inside your email. And that means that they get to read your email before you do. Yeah, because what they'll do, so once they've credential harvested, so once they've grabbed your credentials when you log into their web service, they will then start to attempt to look through your inbox, look through the emails that are coming in. They may set up some some email rules to put those emails into a specific folder so that they can read them first and then send those emails back into your inbox once they're done. Ah, so if, if, if an email comes back from a customer who's suspicious saying, are you absolutely sure? Yeah. Then they'll reply going, yes, 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 this is exactly what they intended. This is a crime they can kind of do entirely by hand. Yeah. So there's a real human engagement, which is what makes it that much harder to detect, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what can companies do to avoid being victim of this? So firstly, I'd recommend if you are using any cloud-based email service, set up two-factor authentication on it. Right, because then when the crooks harvest your password, no use on its own. Yeah, no use on its own without that second factor of authentication. Secondly, um, if you think that this has happened to you, because I think there's a lot of organizations out there that have received these type of phishing emails. If you think this has happened to you, well, firstly, set up two-factor authentication straight away. Yes. Secondly, go in and change those passwords for whatever account has received this type of email and even potentially clicked on it. Next, I, I think it's, it's worth saying set up a good spam filter, a good way of stopping the generic spam and phishing attempts coming in. And would you agree that it might it does make sense to set stricter spam filtering rules, for example, if you think you're at risk of this, for the people who actually deal with accounts payable, accounts receivable? Absolutely. People who, if their email password gets compromised, can do more harm because their job is facilitating the movement of money in and out of the company. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And the next thing, I think, is it's really important that it's not just the security team or the IT team that are in charge of the cybersecurity within the company. It's got to be everyone in the company. So if somebody sees something that doesn't smell right, yeah. they should have a company-wide email address like security at example.com yeah. that they can report it to. So if you get one of these and you're not in the accounts department, you tell the security team, yeah. they can rush around and make sure that no one in the accounts department has fallen for this. Now, what about operational security inside your business since so much of this involves actually making changes to corporate payment information 
that you'd think companies would make it harder than just the say-so of one email. When you think that in internet banking at home, when you add a new person to pay to, they usually make you jump through many more security hoops than yeah. paying someone that's already known. That's very true. So, so yeah, get, get a second person to double-check what, what you're doing. The other thing that could be done to deal with the compromised partner that is asking to send money to the wrong address because their account, their, their online email accounts have been compromised, is you could pick up the phone and call them or use a different method. But don't use any of the contact data that's in the email that you're Precisely, slightly suspicious yeah. of. So I guess the moral of the story is don't let one person approve things like changes to where accounts get received or paid yep. because it's easy to get led astray. Keep your eye on whether somebody else is inside your email box or not. And if you receive phishing emails that are asking you to log into a company system and you're suspicious about that, let IT know because they can warn the next guy. Yeah, yeah. You must have a limerick or some sort of rhyme for business email compromise. I do have the single biggest protection against this that you mentioned right at the start with a 2FA, don't delay, do it today. Oh, there we go. Always, (laughs) without fail, without fail. (laughs) Okay, Ben, it's your turn to be in the spotlight Yours is a somewhat more personal tale because this is advice for our listeners based on something that took you by surprise Mm -hmm. that kind of left you feeling a bit unnerved about the way your ISP had behaved. Yeah. Yeah. And it has to do with IoT or Internet of Things or more precisely towards the pre-configuration of a new little home router that you acquired that Mm -hmm. your ISP sent you, plug it in. You'd think it would be locked down a bit, but that didn't happen to you, did it? No, no, exactly. So um, just to, to set the scene and explain what happened, I, I bought a network attack storage device um, some time ago, and uh, I bought it mainly to put, you know, photos um, and just various files, including, you know, backups of my Python script from my smart mirror, which I didn't take. Um, <laughs> and then... You had the directory waiting all empty. <laughs> Yeah. I then plugged it in, as you do, obviously, to get access to the device to start to configure it. So this network attached storage, as you mentioned, sat behind or plugged into my ISP-provided uh, router. Uh, or router is what we call it as a loose term. In fact, what it is, it's an all-singing, all-dancing network device in the sense it's doing DHCP, DNS. It's a wireless access point, so it's broadcasting Wi-Fi. It's a modem, and it's doing routing as well. So it's doing far more than, than, than just routing. So I set the password to something that's not default um, and then began to fill the storage on the device across the network. But a short time after that, I was actually sort of accessing the uh, external interface of, of my house, of the IP address that, that this router was broadcasting on or rather connected to in the WAN, con- WAN connection. And in fact, I noticed that I was hitting a, a web page. It was actually an admin web page for that NAS when I was accessing it from the outside world. So you imagined that you would, if you connect to your router from outside, yeah. then if you've got remote administration on on your router, you'll see the router offering you a login. Correct. Otherwise, you'll see nothing. Yeah. But actually, you automatically just reached a device that was on the other side of the router from you, inside your own home network. Indeed, indeed, exactly. What had actually happened, unbeknownst to me, was in the background, when I connected that device up, there's a protocol called UPNP or Universal Plug and Play that both these devices were compliant with and actually used to, uh, the, the NAS basically asked the router, 
can you publish my admin interface externally? So the router then automatically, without any configuration from myself, forwarded the port or the HTTP port for the admin interface through to my network attached storage device. So the problem here was, I guess, a perfectly reasonable assumption on your part Mm. that when you get a brand new router from your ISP, you'd hope would assume that you don't want the world wandering into your house. Um, They sent this with a, here's the automatic unlock thing turned on. And you don't need it on on your router because the router only needs to do plug and play if you want to advertise things to the outside world. If you're running servers that you want the world to see, Mm -hmm. it doesn't stop devices inside your local network, your LAN finding each other. No, exactly that. And and UPnP is used, it's, it's used across a very broad range of different devices. Um, for example, in my case, it was uh, it was actually a, a NAS or network attached storage device, but it's also used across a broad range um, of different devices, including printers, IP-enabled cameras, um, various other devices use it in different manners by which to discover each other internally within the network. on the internet inside their own house? That would be, that would be crazy. Why would you yeah. do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but that element... Next, you'll be telling me that they make internet doorbells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and smart mirrors. <laughs> with... <laughs> so what can people do about this? In some cases, not only does the ISP send you a router, but they insist on managing it. Can you turn this off? How do you do it? How do you know you've done it? And what happens if you've got a router that you can't look after yourself? Mm-hmm. So I asked a lot of questions there. Yeah. No, 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 that's great. So I think any order you like. Yeah. <laughs> so start with the uh, routers, or rather, the how you can address this um, with regards to the routers you can configure UPnP on. So, um, in fact, if you access the admin interface, see if there's a UPnP setting. If it's not obvious to find, or if you can't find it, contact consult the manual standard routes contact support for that particular provider of the of the device but you can't give a generic explanation can you because not like an iphone where it's always in the same place Mm -hmm. uh here every router manufacturer will have it in a slightly different place but it should be obvious right it'll say up little np Mm -hmm. or spell it out universal plug and play exactly so pretty much you may have to dig around through the menus a bit but when you find that it should be off exactly yeah and while you're about it, you should turn off remote administration as well, mm-hmm. shouldn't you? Unless you really, really want it. That's where you can connect, where you can, instead of logging in through the router, you log in to the router from outside. If that's enabled and you didn't realise it, then crooks could be doing more than just knocking on your door. Indeed. And um, a lot of ISPs do require, if you contact them for technical support, they do actually require, or rather ask you to re-enable that. Then don't forget to turn it off again. Exactly. Yeah. So precisely precisely so if it's not obvious if you can't find it in the web interface consult the isp consult the manufacturer of the device um, and see if it's configurable and if it's uh, if so how to turn it off um, for devices that you have no ability to manage over there's a number of different options available and um, the solution that i've used in my environment is that i've introduced uh, devices in between my isp provided route or rather behind it I've got a firewall. I connected the WAN or wide area network interface on the firewall into my ISP supplied router, um, turned off all functionality within the ISP router. So things like wireless turned off, DHCP, DNS, etc. So it's literally just acting as a modem. And I actually, I actually went in doing that. I actually got better performance out of my internet connection. So I actually got better throughput because I think it might have right. to do the performance overhead 
and required to do all those different services. So by turning them off, I actually got a better throughput on my RSP provider. Because you're letting it concentrate on being a modem, which is hard enough, without exactly. having a three and a half dollar device also being a firewall and a router and a web server and a this and a that and a wireless access point and a quality of service, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it stopped overheating and it yeah, made it much more stable. So basically, the, the simple solution is you go out and buy a second router mm-hmm. of exactly. your own and you plug the LAN port of the router provided by our ISP mm-hmm. into the WAN port of the router that you're going to manage yourself. Correct. And then you use that as your firewall and access point. And if it has a modem built in, then you just don't use that bit. And then you can go into, if you then have full control over that router that you bought, then you can go in and turn off UPnP and turn off remote management yeah. accordingly as well. So which means devices behind your controlled router, even if they do want to start asking that router to port forward services to the wider world, which the ISP provided router could well be doing because you've turned it off on your, you have control over that service, UPnP over that protocol, then you can disable it and it, that won't happen and it mitigates that risk. Matt, I must say, as an aside, I'm very impressed with Benedict's objectivity in avoiding blurting out that actually the firewall he chose was the Sophos XG firewall home objective, completely free. So I'll mention it here. You need to bring your own computer. So if you have an old spare laptop, that's an option. But obviously then you still need your access point inside the firewall and you need the modem in your ISP-provided device on the outside it's almost bringing military-grade segregation to a home network, isn't it? Because in, in, I know in military networks, they tend to recommend that you have a segregated layer. You have two separate firewall vendors in your environment, one after the other, so that if one gets compromised or if there's a vulnerability to one, it's unlikely that there's going to be a vulnerability to the second one that falls after that. And giving you a bit more control. So it's a bit of a, it might be, sound like a little bit of a science project, But if you are serious about home security, you want to make sure that you don't end up with security settings that are convenient for your ISP, like you must have remote admin turned on. Well, let them into their router, but don't let them any further into yours. So always try and work with the minimum settings you can, particularly when it comes to remote access. Exactly. If you don't need it, disable it. Oh, that could be the start of a rhyme. I don't feel a need to make that rhyme. I think that's pretty clear enough as it is. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks very much for your time. It's great hearing some real-world war stories. You know, people you've met or experienced have happened in your own home where security did not go the way that you would have expected and what you can do about it. Uh, Please don't forget that you can follow us on Twitter, at Naked Security. We're on Instagram, at Naked Security. You can email us with ideas for the podcast or any questions, tips at sophos.com. And until next time, Ben, we all have to sing together. Stay Stay secure. secure. World. I knew it was going to (laughs) be. Like I said, the man's a buffoon. (laughs) 